Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 642 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, we'll be joined by Dr. Meg Arrell as we talk about the rituals in our lives. We'll be finding out about some food history and some fantastic food names as we have a chat with Sarah Carrington Hollins. On top of that, we'll be joined by Sam Coley's mom, Claire, as we find out about a trike that he has had provided via the charity Children Today and the massive change it's made to his life and we'll be joined by the one and only Tito Jackson as we catch up with him about his brand new album single that's all on the show this week not only does Tito Jackson have a brand new album single and a wonderful uh, time out on the road, including, I believe, a trip on a cruise in the not-too-distant future we'll be finding out about. Yes. But he's in Wolverhampton as well at the moment. Hello, sir. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you, Jason? I'm good. It's been a little while since uh, I've, we've had a chance to have a catch-up. And it, I know. I mean, three years ago was the last time I saw you performing. But uh, it's been strange times of late. COVID didn't help, did it? No, absolutely not. But, you know, uh, during that time period, I... I did something creative, mm-hmm. and I thought it would be a good time to reach out to friends and do some recording. Well, Under Your Spell is the album, and the single, uh, absolutely a- amazing work there too. So t- tell us a-, a bit about the process to start off with, because this hasn't been normal, has it? No, it hasn't been normal. Matter of fact, I had started this album prior to the pandemic. Uh, mm-hmm. I had done a few recordings, uh, one with uh, George Benson and... Uh, I was on the road with the B.B. King Blues Band, and we stopped in Arizona on our way to Reno, Nevada, and asked him to contribute to this song that we were recording for B.B. King, Mm -hmm. which his daughter is a feature on it as well. And he he eagerly said yes. And we went to the studio a few days later and did vocals and music and everything, and that's what we got. You've basically got a who's who on here, haven't you, really? Yeah, because it was a time when I knew I would be able to catch up with the <laughs> friends that I had and, and colleagues in the business, and they couldn't say no because they knew I knew they were home doing nothing much. Normally we're out on tour, we haven't got time. They would love to, but they genuinely are busy. At, the, at, at that point, it was quiet. And the single, I mean, uh, Love One Another, second track on the album, and... Again, the the video on that, it starts with someone very special, doesn't it? Yeah, that starts with my mom. You know, she's my queen and my family's queen. And and she's uh, basically reminding the world to love one another, you know. So she kicks off the video, then the music starts and the rest is video. Filmed in an interesting way because we, we have uh, a vision of uh, the front room of a house where many people have spent their time working from home. Um, I, I'm going to guess your home studio is normally a little bit different to that but we do get to see uh, so, some interesting footage from a, a, an awful lot again of your friends. Of course and I have family in there as well you know uh, I had asked my uh, baby sister Janet to give me a short cameo and of course she did and mm. then Jermaine gave me one then my other brothers Jackie and Marlon and so on and and uh, also I had uh, 
the the Laker Basketball Hall of Famer Magic Johnson. Was a Kardashian or two? Two Kardashians (laughs) and the mom. And, yeah, so it was a great. uh, Pete Andre's in it, so Tyson Fury. So it's it's a good thing. It's an amazing thing. And, And the album itself... There's not just one genre there, is there? I think we're classifying as blues, but certainly there's there's a bit of ska. There's uh, uh, there's some amazing upbeat wind instruments on there. There's there's so much. Well, what I tried to do, you know, because blues is probably not in the forefront when it comes to music, but I tried to incorporate different styles and feelings of uh, different genres of music mm-hmm. into the blues and, and maybe to give a wider listening audience or something of that sort I'm hoping and pleading for. <laughs> <laughs> but it is so upbeat. It is feel-good music, isn't it? For yes, me it yes. is. Yes, yes. I wanted to put together a record, basically, that if you're at a family's functions where you're having a barbecue or out at the park or whatever, you can put the music on and just enjoy and feel happy. Mm-hmm. So that was my main objective doing this album. And you've not only got people uh, singing on there who are on your friends list, but you've got an amazing harmonica player on the single as well. Yes, on Love One Another, uh, I had to ask Stevie Wonder because (laughs) (laughs) Stevie Wonder is just... uh, uh, There aren't many names that you can drop being a Jackson, but that is one that you can name drop, isn't it, really? Yeah, 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 Stevie Wonder is a hero, so (laughs) he's a legend and he's everything above, so... Of course, to have Stevie Wonder on my recording was a dream come true. Mm-hmm. Besides him being a part of my family bloodline, somewhere five generations away or mm-hmm. something, but he's part of the Jackson family bloodline, so that always works too. It, it, it helps coerce him into getting. Although, I mean, who wouldn't want to be on your album? To be fair, and. Uh, well, that's the way it is. I mean, but you, when you talk about the, the, the family bloodline, I mean, we're going back now. You, you wouldn't know it to look at you, but you've performed in six decades, haven't you? That's the thing. Yes, yes. And if you count the decades prior, I would say seven. You say, yeah, well, yeah. And, and six, something around there. I've been doing it a long time. Still enjoy it, too. And, and, and still performing amazingly. The sounding, I think, better than ever. And uh, it's uh, great to, to know you're enjoying it as well. This isn't an album which is made out of anything other than wanting to be out there and sharing your music. Yeah, and I, and I put a lot of love and time in this album. I, I didn't want to do the type of music that it was just thrown together. We're talking about uh, years and years of recording in one process and one way of writing and land music down on the track and I wanted to incorporate that that's why I, I did this blues album because blues supposed to be real musicians you know real instruments not the computers and these things of that sort <laughs> so that's basically what I w- went for but the music itself is available digitally you can get it on Spotify but three different versions of vinyl yes yes you can get a uh, uh Limited edition cream vinyl, I think it is, and uh, you can also get uh, uh, your um, regular vinyl with the label, and I believe you can get a signed edition of vinyl. 
So you're going to be signing a fair few of those, I'm going to guess. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> That's going to be good. But also CD, as we say, Spotify. And, and what's it like for you finding your music on things like Spotify? Because that must be, it's, it's a whole new audience, isn't it? Yeah, the whole process of the business is quite different. You know, we didn't have Spotify and these things back in my time when I was young in the career. And, and it's such a easier format for getting the music around the world you don't have to distribute it uh, manually and all these other things so mm -hmm. having the, that digital platform and everything really helps with the music normally comes a tour and are we, we going to see you out on the road so i know you've had a couple of european gigs with your brothers yes 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 we've done a few uh gigs matter of fact we've done one here about a month ago i would say mm -hmm. and uh also belgium mm -hmm. but uh of course, we're coming back very soon, and uh, I'm going to hit the road as well with my music in the first of uh, next year. So I'm looking forward to coming and playing the UK. That would be good. Performing I'll, here. I will be there. So. I'll be looking for you. Oh, I'm looking be. for everyone. That's the way. But it's going to be uh, awesome to, to hear this album brought to life and probably some tracks from Tito Time as well. Oh, absolutely. And some Jackson stuff mm. as well. It, it, it goes without saying, I think. Yeah, now, well, <laughs> every time I perform my solo career, I have to play the Jacksons because I don't think the audience let me get away <laughs> with not. <laughs> I think it, it, it is compulsory. Uh, that said as well, I mean, you're going out on a cruise in the early part of November and uh, you're going to be performing there too? Yes, I'm going on a, a cruise uh, starting November the 5th and I'll be performing on the boat for approximately one week. Then I come back and I do a, a festival in Long Beach, California. Mm -hmm. Then head out to Monaco a few days after that, perform with the brothers and back in America again. A very busy time, and uh, I actually think good to be back out on the road, but traveling is, is a good thing. Yes, traveling is a good thing as long as it's safe. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, obviously essential. Double jabbed and everything, that's that's what counts. That's what counts. You have to be jabbed <laughs> to get on the airplane. Yeah, that's the way we like it, making sure we're looking after people. But you're in Wolverhampton at the moment, and a city you, you've visited before, it, it's it's very nearly your second home, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I would say I enjoy coming here. You know, I, I uh, live in two sunny cities in America, Calabasas and Las Vegas, so it gets very, very hot, and the sun's shining every day, and it's... Mm -hmm. And you may say, oh, boy, you're lucky. But when it gets to about 120 degrees, you're not so lucky. Time to head to the English Midlands at that point. That's right. And cool down and <laughs> get some showers and some shade. Yeah. But, I mean, you're at the main hotel at the moment. Absolutely glorious surroundings. I know it's a particular favorite of yours. Yes, I love this hotel. Uh, Roy Bernard is a great friend of mine, and the month has been just pleasant. So I will always be here. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great environment to be in. And... You must have stayed in an awful lot of hotels in your time, to, and to find what you love, I think that's important, isn't it? Yes, yes, it's very important, because it's nice here around here, it's quiet, and I can walk around the neighborhood, it's homes in the neighborhood, it's not other high-rises and things <laughs> of that nature, so it's, it's enjoyable. Well, we've got the album, we've got a Noah tour coming up, but uh, are you thinking towards your next recording? You must still be writing songs every day. Oh yeah, I already have part of my next album already recorded and finished so once I take a break from going on the road and performing I can concentrate on finish, 
completing that album. Well, I mean, how long does that process normally take you? Because clearly, listen to this album, it's clear you hone those songs, but do they come out like that, or is it? Well, it depends on whether you say how long does the process take. It depends on where you're starting from. Mm -hmm. uh, like uh, this uh, past project took me practically the entire year. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this depends on how you're doing it and all these other things, whether you're writing it from the beginning or you have a handful of songs you've already written in the past. So it, it varies. It can take, some people can do an album in a week, you know, mm -hmm. and some people can do an album in a year's time. So it depends on that whole process. Well, about, it's about telling a story. And again, the, the songs on here do that, don't they, as well? Yes, yes. And uh, the... You, you try to put together music that's basically uh, uh, from song to song or whatever has some kind of feel and rhyme to it as far as a, a complete package. And it, again, it's, it's all about the packaging, all about the way it looks, looking resplendent on the cover. And you, you have the hat on there as well. A hat's a thing with you, because we, 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 we don't normally see you without one these days. Well, I've been wearing... Before I used to wear a uh, what they called an apple hat in New York. It was more of a, a cap, I mm -hmm. would say. But ever since I think it was '94, I've been sporting a bowler. You're rocking the style; it works. Thank you. Matter of fact, I, I was introduced to the hat here in the UK. Uh, 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 I think it's Lock, Lock and Co. Mm -hmm. It's the name of the hattery, and uh, I went in one day just. Look for a hat to warm my head because it was cold and raining here, <laughs> and, and I wound up buying this here. So. But it, it, it's working, and I, I'm liking that. It's, it's all part of the image, all part of the look, and all really it brings everything together. And you've got the the, the package. You, you can't get better than the real deal that is Tito Jackson. Oh, thank you very much for that. You know, I, I like I said earlier, I enjoy uh, the show business and performing and traveling and sharing love and music around the world and making people happy. Love One Another is the single. We can find that now on Spotify alongside the album. And uh, so it, it, it's, it's looking good under your spell. Great album, fantastic music. I've, I'm loving every minute of it. That is going on in the car on repeat. And uh, there'll be many people listening on Spotify as well. I, I, I dare I ask for all the socials. How do we find out what is going on in your world? Well, you can find me at uh, TitoJackson.com. Mm -hmm. That's the main uh, website. Plus, you can, uh, Papa, that's P-O-P-P-A-3-T. -P that's my uh, Instagram. Okay, and, and that's because the, uh, the the boys, uh, 3T. My uh, sons, yeah. exactly. And uh, they, they've been working hard on music as well, I'm going to guess. Oh, yeah, they are, they're always writing and... and playing and putting together songs and music so it's just in the blood i guess well i'm, I'm i think it, it goes back generations and will go forward for many more too i'm sure tito a pleasure to to see you uh, i i don't Thank need you, to wish Jason. you luck with the album it's absolutely amazing but uh, yeah, i'm looking forward to great things there and we will uh, enjoy more work from you and some live gigs in the not too distant future thank you well thank you thank you very much jason thank you
The children's charity, Children Today, are looking after a family in Bilston. Sam and Claire Coley are benefiting from their work. Rachel Sutherland and Claire join me now to tell me more. Hello to you both. Hi. So first of all, Claire, tell us a a bit about what's happened and uh, your situation, because Sam uh, has been uh, awarded a trike, which allows him to get out and about. Exactly. It's amazing to see Sam and Claire now and about carefree and just that, that key to freedom that they both really needed. Um, and yeah, we were more than happy to support Claire and Sam uh, with a £1,000 grant. And then the rest uh, of the money that was raised for the trike was done online uh, through an online fundraiser page, which amazingly generated over £3,000 in just 24 hours. Um, so that was down to Claire's strong network of friends and family uh, and everyone really putting their hands in their pockets to make, make a massive difference to both Sam and Claire's life. So I mean, what else does the charity do? Who do you uh, work with and uh, who are you funded? Sure. So we rely entirely on, on voluntary donations. Uh, we're based just outside of Chester and we support children and young people uh, just like Sam right up to the age of 25 with disabilities across the UK. And we support these individuals with life-changing pieces of equipment uh, just like Sam's, Sam's side-by-side trike, um, adaptive car seats, specialised buggies, powered wheelchairs um, there's a there's a whole range of, of, of equipment that we help fund and this is just to give these individuals the best quality of life possible and uh, to boost their independence and confidence and creating more opportunities to get out of the house just like Sam and Claire and um, you know re- reduce an isolation in that sense and then the physical and the, the mental benefits as well uh, which really makes a difference. And how do people get in touch with you if they are somebody uh, who would benefit from the services you offer? Or I think more, more than likely, is how would someone get recommended to you as well if somebody else knows they have the need? And Because often people don't necessarily want to ask, do they? Yeah, that's it. And, and we're here to support anyone who feels like they know someone or, or you know, would benefit from our service. And the best thing to do would be to, to pick up the phone and, and speak to one of our friendly team members. Uh, you can get us on. It's 01244 double three five six double two or you can go on our website at www.childrenstoday.org.uk and we'd be more than happy to help you and so that's that's the you know applying side and you can also uh, you know we're always welcoming contributions no matter how big or small to make to keep making a difference to the lives of children and young people and you can do this uh, via our website as well. Yeah, so but if uh, if a campaign comes along and there's someone like uh, the Coley family who need that bit of extra help, uh, you you will put together a specific appeal which will then also help them too. Yeah, I mean that's just something that we've started doing recently, the the local appeal initiative. Um, so yeah, usually we we part fund an individual, and uh, if there's a right fit uh, for the case, then yeah, the rest of the funds are raised online. Um, so yeah, that that's just like a small sort of. Uh, fundraising initiative that we've, we're just starting with really but it is proven to make a, a big difference and uh, you know the um, the generous generosity from people online has just been absolutely amazing and uh, I think in Sam's case it's, you know his story has really resonated with a lot of people. So Claire this really has been life-changing for you and the family and uh, yeah Sam really is benefiting from uh, an amazing piece of equipment which was just out of reach unfortunately and, and until this uh, opportunity came along. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no way that we could fund a £6,000 trike. Um, I'm Sam's full-time carer, so I don't work. Um, I, I look after him 24 hours, basically. Um, but the bike, it's really changed Sam's 
life and my life. Um, it's very difficult when your child's very frustrated, angry, self-harming. Um, Sam can throw himself onto the floor. Um, he's give himself black eyes before. Um, and I can see the anxiety building up in him. Mm -hmm. So the minute we're in the house alone and he's starting to get anxious, we can just get the bike out and off we go. And that anxiety just goes away and it changes the setting for him. It changes the scene. Um, and then we can come back um, and it, it almost resets him. Um, so it's avoiding a lot of upset for me as well and um, anxiety for Sam. And he does need constant activity changes all the time. He gets very obsessive with things and frustrated. Well, I say we've met as we were starting this call and uh, had a, a brief wave on Zoom. He seems an absolutely lovely fella. And I assume when people are out and about there, you get an absolutely brilliant reaction. So he's a, he's a nice chap and uh, it must be great being able to uh, make sure that those frustrations, which I mean, we all feel when we're trapped inside the house, we probably all know it better than ever before over the last 12 months. So we've yeah. got a bit of a taste of Sam's world ourselves, but allowing him to be out and about and use this trike. It's an absolutely brilliant uh, you know, addition to the, the family. Long may its use continue and uh, have a, a great time, uh, you know, in, enjoying and allowing Sam to explore the world just like anybody else would, which is the, you know, it's that level playing field that you're looking for here. Children Today providing that for so many. Rachel, give us the details again on how we can get in touch and donate as well as recommend people if they could benefit from your services. Yeah, brilliant. So the best thing to do would be to pick up the phone, uh, give us a call and it's 01244 double three five six double two uh, or you can have a look at our website or social media channels if you search children today but our website is www.childrentoday.org.uk and we'll look forward to hearing, hearing from you rachel sutherland from children today and claire coley from bilston thank you both for joining us thank you thank you We all have rituals in the way in which we start our day, whether it's making sure you have your breakfast in the right order or locking the door after you've left the house. But there's much more to it behind all of what's going on there. The psychology that we have around us can be used to our advantage to make sure we get the best out of our day. Dr. Meg Harrell joins us now to tell us more. Good afternoon. Hello, Jason. So first of all, tell me a bit about this survey, because apparently two fifths of us have an average of four rituals to do every day. Yes, absolutely. So the survey that was conducted by Supplement and Wellbeing brand Healthspan found that, yes, on average, around four daily rituals that we all have to really get us through the day to make sure that we get all our tasks done, but also for more psychological and sort of mental health reasons too. They help us feel very secure because actually as human beings, we don't like things that are unpredictable. We much prefer that predictability because there's less threat than in our environment. Because yeah, I, I personally like to make sure that uh, one of my rituals now is hand gelling every time I touch a door handle. Uh, but you know, there's the things like that that are built up into our lives as part of the whole coronavirus COVID pandemic. And uh, you know, it, it, we're probably more aware of what we're doing than ever before. Certainly, awareness has has really heightened around, um, especially health behaviours uh, with regard to the pandemic. And the survey found that over fifty percent of people adopted new rituals into their daily lives so we are more mindful we are doing things more consciously and it's really helped us cope with the anxiety and stress of the pandemic through the coping mechanisms that we put in place and rituals whether they're new or old uh, it, it does help us through the day and uh, 
is that certainly a, a good thing then? And is it possible to introduce new rituals to help us further? Oh, of course, of course. And yes, it definitely is a good thing. Um, and we can introduce rituals within our everyday. I mean, it's something that's completely free and we can use our imagination. Now, doing things that support our health are very, very important. So rituals around stress reduction, around exercise, around eating healthily, you won't be surprised for me <laughs> to say that, you know, it's really good to integrate those. But actually, some around being more creative, connecting with nature doing things that make us feel childlike too. These are all really important aspects of health and well-being that sometimes we forget. And sometimes when we've gone through such a stressful and long period of time, we can lose those little bits that make life what it is. Hey, and it is about making sure we live in our best life. And so through you know, rituals and the way in which we behave on a day-to-day basis can actually help us to, to get through the trickier moments and those stressful things. And the repetitive stuff we don't like oh definitely so the thing about a ritual is that it is a habit with a soul so it is the intention behind this meaningful action which gives us a sense of purpose to our everyday behaviors so let's just think of something that most of us do every day so making a cup of tea and actually when we when we look at the survey people in Wolverhampton around 40 percent and I actually I thought that was quite low, but 40% use their, their daily cup of tea as a ritual. I know that I do that. Mm-hmm. So in the morning, and especially since the pandemic, I will take the time to make the cup of tea, to be very mindful. And I will try and nudge any intrusive thoughts away so that I'm very much grounded. And this is what we're talking about, turning a habit into a ritual. So to me, it's part of my well-being routine of the day. And so we've just kind of like tweak something that is almost an automatic habit into a mindful meaningful ritual so tea time is me time oh, i love that that's fantastic <laughs> you can have that one okay but as it, there are the loads of other rituals that take place i mean things like cheese rolling and some of the uh the antics the rest of the nation gets up to uh so in wolverhampton we sound quite sane having a cup of tea but dressing up and doing uh so yeah i don't know uh, uh, the likes of morris dancing again rituals as well and uh things which are, are more public displays of, of ritualistic behavior Oh, definitely. And those are so important for social bonding, for bringing a community together. And that's an incredibly important part of well-being and health and something that, of course, over the past 18 months, we haven't been able much. And that may be one reason this kind of rise in people doing their own rituals, because we haven't been able to do that. So I hope to see all that again people really being connected community so where can we go for more information yes you can go to healthspan.co.uk um, and there are loads of articles about health and well-being there dr meg arrell thank you for joining us thank you so much jason Brits are in a bit of a pickle about our most traditional dishes. I don't even know whether toad in the hole is one of those things that is actually a British dish through and through. Someone who can tell me more is Sarah at Charrington Hollins. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Now, you have done, I think, every TV show about historical food ever. Uh, looking back at rationing and uh, be, uh, all sorts of things uh, be, uh, beyond what people have eaten in the dim and distant past is toad in the hole something that is british it is a british recipe and um, 
got a long it's got a long history. Um, it seems that according to this research that was commissioned by Aldi, um, that there is a large percentage of people. Well, I mean, we've got ten percent of people that think black pudding is a mythical dish. So it's not surprising that they also think that toad in the hole is a mythical dish, and of course it's not. And it's nothing to do with toads, but it has a very long history. If we go back to um, meat being an expensive commodity, um, this was a way of eking out your precious meat. So it would originally have been a small morsel of meat, so something like a small piece of beef, as opposed to sausages. So it's evolved. It's been well hidden, and you'd never know who was going to get it either, would you? That's it. So there you are. You've got your small morsel of meat sitting in a pond, shall we say, of uh, butter mix, looking like a toad poking its head out. So that's <laughs> why it's toad in the hole. So it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant name. I don't think any other culture has anything called toad in the hole. No, <laughs> Visitors. It is unusual. I suppose if you see that on a menu and you're traveling with, uh, from further afield than uh, even Europe, it's going to be very, very confusing. But when it comes to, I mean, there's things like eating mess, which a third of people have never tried. I mean, eating mess is amazing. Why wouldn't you? Uh, black pudding, I'm not so much of a fan, but as you mentioned it already, but it is something which is stable, particularly around here in the Midlands. We love our black pudding. But bubble and squeak as well, another real traditional recycling sort of dish that doesn't seem to be eaten as much these days. I mean, I think that's the thing, isn't it? And when I start looking down this list, and, and yet you're quite right, you know, they say things like bubble and squeak, bubble and squeak, great leftover dish. You know, I mean, what do you do with all your leftover cabbage and potatoes? I, I, maybe people aren't having as much cabbage on their, their uh, menu, or maybe they don't know how to make bubble and squeak. And maybe it's that thing that the name lets it down. Because if it's called bubble and squeak, we don't know what it is. But people will talk about, you know, um, using up leftovers. And there's been a lot of campaigns, isn't there, about reducing mm -hmm. food waste, you know. Uh, and I just think a lot of these dishes, like your bangers and mash, how can you not know what bangers and mash is? At the end of the day, it's an easy dish to cook. You know, mashed potato sausages. These are that. things that people buy. People eat potatoes, people eat sausages, put them together, you've got bangers and mash. But maybe it's the name. Maybe people... A, don't know what the name is. They've no doubt eaten sausages. They've no doubt eaten mashed potato. But they're just not seeing it as bangers and mash. Mm -hmm. But there's not so, the sound coming from the noise they make when they cook if you don't prick your sausages first. And uh, yeah, that, I suppose, yeah. it was, was World War One, was it, that that was really came World before? War One, yeah. Yeah, because um, obviously meat came in short supply. Eating those uh, meat rations, although it wasn't rationed, but the meat that was available out and, um, you know, more water went into the mix, more fillers, more fat went in. And, of course, you know, fat and water, you're going to get that hiss bang. Um, and bangers <laughs> are born. And I think these are great stories and they're what connects us to history. And I think we should preserve them. Um, going down the list, like stargazy pie, for example, it's a regional dish. I've no doubt in Cornwall people will know what a stargazy pie is. But, again, whether it's still popular I would question because the idea of pilchards poking through a short crust pastry pie, gazing up at the stars, I don't know whether that appeals to modern palate. 
<laughs> Pilchards don't appeal to me. I know my mother loves them, but uh, uh, yeah, the whole concept of seeing its eyes poking back at you. I think we're, yeah. clinical is how I like to see my food and uh, and, and prepped for me. If, if I had to kill any of the animals I eat myself, I, I'd, I'd be 100% vegan. I know we're to eat less, uh, less, less meat and more vegetables anyway. But you've got the other names, though. Something like is vegetarian mostly these days uh, is Spotted Dick, although uh, that in itself, obviously a name which will make everybody at the dinner table smirk uh, with an interesting background as well, because it's not necessarily where you might think it comes from. Well, I think that's it. And I mean, I think a spotted dick is a victim of its name <laughs> um, because people don't want to order it, as you quite rightly say, you know, some uh, headlines are talking about it being called Spotted Richard now. <laughs> it's like, oh, for goodness sake, you know. Um, spotted comes from the currants in it. It's a good suet hood. Um, you know, you make a suet dough, um, you put the currants into it and you steam the pudding. It's very good. It can be a light and, and very good pudding. Um, but spotted from the currants and then the dough is where the dick comes from. So dick being a derivative of the original dough. So and, it's an etymology and it's interesting. Yeah, and as I say, these days we'd use vegetable suet rather than beef suet to produce it. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's things like jam roly-poly. These were once staple school dinner things and that's one of the things if you're not introduced to these foods then they don't get passed down to to you they don't get passed down to your children and that's it and they fall off our culinary repertoire um so i think it, it's great that you know the likes of, of aldi have said you know we're going to reintroduce these things and i think they have they've got things like peas pudding back on the shelves and you know maybe somebody will go around and go i'll give that a try and then that'll start up and spark and ignite a whole new culinary tradition and people will perhaps get things like peas pudding and come back on the uh, on the menu yeah, so let's leave Stargazy Pie in the past, but enjoy the likes of your roly-poly and your spotted dick. And yeah, possibly a bit more black pudding, even though we don't want to think about what that's made from. <laughs> and maybe that's it. I think uh, culinary uh, likes and dislikes um, are, are sort of changing and constantly evolving. Um, I recently wrote a book on revolting recipes and um, I say there, you know, that revulsion is just a matter of taste. And it really is because it's to do with your cultural background. It's to do with the, the uh, age in which you're born and to do with availability. If you're introduced to things like tripe, I mean, tripe chops were everywhere at one point. I don't think there's very many of us that still eat tripe and onions, um, but, you know, or pig's trotter and pearl barley. Uh, certainly in the Midlands, these dishes were very popular at one point. 100%. And uh, who knows what went into some of the faggots that we ate over the years, but they were probably just as good for us as any other bit of the animal if we're going to eat meat. Indeed. Yeah, they can be great, uh, great, great health benefits from it all. I just think, you know, we've perhaps plumped for other dishes. And I think what we need to do is realise that things like, you know, bangers and mash are really easy to make. Uh, toad in the hole, which would be embracing, simple, easy, and economical. And I can't think of a better way of using uh, leftover cabbage and uh, and potatoes than problem squeeze. So, where can we go to for more information on the work that Aldi are doing? Um, there is um, information on aldi.co.uk, um, and uh, there's lots about sort of British food and British recipes and things on there, I believe. And where can we find out more about you and your work with the history of food um, and beyond? Yeah, um, you can pop on to either um, serenitykitchen.com, uh, which is my blog site, and I talk about lots and lots of uh, recipes and traditional recipes there, and that's probably the best place to go, or culinaryhistory.co.uk. But I pop on to serenitykitchen.com. 
that should do the job. Well, food historian Sarah Charrington Hollins, thank you for joining us. Take care. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me. Back with episode 643 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.